0: We actually have access the people that train with you don't realize it, but their training is sophisticated as the Olympic training. Like Mm. no one is getting more sophisticated training anywhere else than they are than at Empire Fit Club.
1: Hey guys, what's going on? Back with Empire Fit Talk and today we have, a special guest with us, and that is Dr. Kelly Starrett. Now, if you guys don't know who Dr. Kelly Starrett is, uh, he's very, very um, well-known in the uh, fitness, strength, conditioning world. Uh, you know, if you are into rehabilitation, recovery, uh, maximizing your body to be in the ready state all the time, uh, that's what he is well-known for, you know, he. Produce a few books and also have a program that used to be called Mobility Watt, but now it's called The Ready State. So um, he worked with a lot of athletes, uh, pro athletes such as NFL athletes, um, NBA teams, the Golden State Warriors. And he also have programs with companies. And for those of you who's listening uh, to us for the whole podcast, uh, we have a special gift for you guys from Dr. Kelly Starrett himself. And that is a 14 days access to his uh, The Ready State program. Okay, just click the link below. We're going to provide it for you. And here we go. Without further ado, Dr. Kelly Starrett. Hey guys, welcome back to Empire Fit Talk. Um, today we have a very special guest with us. And um, I got to say, um, you know, I'm, I'm a little bit nervous. Uh, I, I wouldn't say a little bit. I would say a, a lot a bit nervous. And I'm also a little bit starstruck. Um I felt like, you know, um, what made it worse is that prior to this, I was looking at the podcast with Joe Rogan, with London Real, uh, with Tim Ferriss. So now I'm like, what have we done right to deserve this opportunity? And we're kind of like, now it's going to be with Empire Fit Talk. And today we have the one, the only, the wizard, the legend, Dr. Kelly Sturet. Everybody, please give a round of applause. Woo! How are you, sir?
0: What an intro. I tell you, I'm going to put Empire Fit first, and then Rogan second, and then maybe Tim third. It's great to see you. And, you know, the extraordinary thing about fitness um, is it's a universal language. We all understand it, you know, that sport is a chance to connect, all colors, shapes, sizes, ages, times, positions, it ends up becoming a church, it ends up becoming a community center, it's a way of talking about functionality and being vulnerable and connecting. Man, I mean, you, we, don't, we don't know each other that well, but I know everything I need to know about you.
1: Oh man, thank you, thank you so much. Well, uh, a little backstory, I've, I've actually uh, met you before, long, long, long time ago, around, I would say almost nine years ago in San Diego. It was one of the seminar and all the heavy hitters was there. Uh, uh, Coach Greg Glassman was there. Mike Berner was there. And this is when I was going through my L1. I was still in the Marines at a time. I was stationed in Camp Pendleton. And, you know, I've, um, I've seen you. And then later on, you know, when you wrote the, the Supple Leopard, when it was produced, that's when uh, I get to know you a bit more from there and then and then you know um, never would I have thought that I was gonna open a gym here in Indonesia all the way across the world which is where my parents from so I decided after I got out of military I came to Indonesia and opened my gym here now we have a location one in Bali and one in Jakarta so with that being said for the fan out here in Indonesia, I would like to teach you a little bit of Bahasa, which is the Indonesian official language. So, okay, let's go. To start this off, I want you to say, Apa Kabar. Apa Kabar. There you go, you got it. Apa Kabar, Indonesia.
0: Apa Kabar,
1: Indonesia. There you go, you just said, uh, How are you, Indonesia? So, there
0: we go, fantastic. <laughs> all right,
1: all right. Well, uh, let's get to it. So, um like i mentioned uh, you know uh, here in indonesia uh, the fitness industry are coming up just the functional training itself the idea of when i came here 5 years ago when we when we mentioned fitness there's only two categories which is you go to the conventional gym you do bodybuilding style of workout and then you do some kind of cardio or whether you run or you swim or you do biking. When I started out with the concept of boot camp, hit training, circuit training, crossfit, anything like that, it was still foreign to this country, to the people here. So they were still kind of like, oh, what is this? What's the benefit of, of this kind of training? What is functional training, right? So at a time to, to just talk about uh recovery even it was still far off from what people mindset of what that is or even spend the money of uh, paying for something like that you know it's it's something that is not um not very uh popular here in the country the people that know is either they've been study abroad they came back here and then they they you know they uh, they adopted that that train of thinking they adopted that tr- uh, the way of training of taking care of your body recovering properly and so on so forth so uh you know i want to i'm sure you've probably been asked this a million times but i do want it to uh bring it to my audience attention from the very 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 basic right so i want to start off it's what makes you create uh the ready state, or before that, what is the ready state, and what makes you create that in the first place?
0: So first and foremost, I am an athlete, I've been an athlete my whole life, and that might mean play, that might not, you know, I was uh, used to paddle on the US kayak team, but I like to play, I mean, play is the the goal, I think we appreciate that we're likely all of us could be 100 years old, no problem and that looks very different depending on how we eat, how we sleep. Do we feel safe in our communities? Do we move? Do we sit on the ground? Do we enjoy life? Are we happy? Right? And, comma, do we keep our eye on the things that make us human beings? Being able to get up and off the ground, walking, balance, throwing, climbing, swimming, moving. And it turns out that one of the things we're seeing is this real mismatch between the modern environment in which we find ourselves. You know, I shouldn't ever have to tell someone, Hey, you should walk more. You know, that's because of course you walk, you walk to the market, you walk to school, you walk, you know I mean? Like walking, you're telling me to walk. Like that's how I I move the environment, but that's not what we're seeing in modern cities, Mm. right? What we're seeing oftentimes is that people are moving very little. And so I use this as a, as a metaphor for, some of the mismatch between sort of who we are and what we need as human beings, what we're supposed to be able to do. And then the outputs of low back pain and yeah. disability and dysfunction yeah. and diabetes. And what we see is as though we'll just, we'll classify it as Western traditions of suddenly the internet technology the sort of the, the interruption of deep sleep, the right. blue lights, the crappy food. Suddenly we, what we see is that we have this real interesting mismatch where we're not doing very well in the last 50 or 60 years of our life isn't as rich and robust. So I came out of a tradition that obsessed over performance, mm. wattage, poundage, time. The way we knew we went better was that we put you into a better position. We had better output. And as a physical therapist, I also happened to notice that a lot of times we had people who couldn't do something or had pain in a range. And one of the ways that we could give them their function back, get them out of pain, get them back into the things that mattered most in their life was by improving their mechanics, using all of the techniques of, I don't know, Indonesian knife fighting or, you know traditional martial arts or Olympic lifting or gymnastics or running. And what we saw was that we had all of these beautiful movement traditions. Then what we knew is that, man, if you really want to perform well and do well Mm. as an athlete, as in high performance body expression, you have to sleep, you have to eat, you have to feel safe. We should warm up and cool down. You should take care of your body. And what ends up happening then is that we see that people are poorly prepared for that. We are extraordinary human beings. We're very tough, very anti-fragile. Mm. And means we can get away with a lot for a long time. And then, boom, auntie has a knee replacement. Back hurts for grandpa. Mm. And, you know, and so we have to ask ourselves, well, is that just a normal expression of the system? Is pain part of the human experience insomuch that we have no control? And we just tell people, I'm sorry you'll just need to stop running or swimming or don't pick up your child because it might hurt your back. Mm. And for me, what we realized a long time ago was that sport and performance had a real opportunity to transcend entertainment and circus and that we could take those lessons out of how we were training the military, how we were training our athletes, how we were working on developing movers and we could apply those lessons to the rest of us who really matters most. And, and if we go to the highest level, sort of the meta meta goals of science, the really the highest service of science is to serve the humanities. This is why it matters. People are what matters most. And so suddenly, what we saw is that the performance, the training, gave us a real blueprint to take those lessons and help solve the problems of humanity, of of you know people's feet hurting of Knees feeling like they're they're going to. You're afraid to run, yeah. afraid to move. Yeah. You know, Auntie falls down and breaks her hip and ends up dying in the hospital because she didn't wasn't very robust and didn't have good balance. That is the source of the ready state. We think everyone should be able to perform basic maintenance on themselves in a really simple way, the same way you brush your teeth, the mm. same way you try to eat vegetables and fruits and and meat, right? all of those basic lessons, well, we think the basic lessons mean, hey, let's expand what we already know, but let's go ahead and say, you know, we should have, why can't you achieve this range of motion? Why can't you move effortlessly in these ways? Because this is your birthright.
1: That is the heart and soul of the ready state. Wow. Great. That was a great explanation of that. Um, When, uh, so how, You know, um, over the the course of the years that you've you've been doing this, over the time that you've you've um, you've worked with thousands of uh, people uh, through the Ready States, what is the most common, do you think, uh, problem that people have um, just on day to day basis? You know, what's the most you know uh, problem that you've seen from people? Is it like the gait cycle that is um, messed up or is it just like uh, hip mobility or anything like that?
0: Well, I think what we see is that every, every body is unique. Every, every, you know, the thing that matters most to you is the thing that's most important to me. So I think what's surprising for people is suddenly when they can't do something. And so the biggest problem is that we ever we haven't ever prepared people to take care of themselves, or develop a movement practice or a physical practice. Now we know you should do some exercise, but that means you could do some walking. You could jump into a yoga class. You could go a little, little swimming, right? You could you could roll out on a muscle that feels tight in quotation marks and make yourself feel better. That's a movement practice laying in additional training on top of that, like we know that the human body needs to be loaded. And so one of the biggest mistakes we see is basically people fall into two categories. They're not loading their bodies. And just to be clear, you're designed to be loaded. If you don't load, if you don't use your feet and really work your feet and, and carry things on your feet, then what we see is that you'll have weak feet. Mm. And that your feet can't, the tissues of the body obey a basic principle called mechanotransduction, which means some of our tissues, nearly all of our tissues have to have mechanical input in order that they express themselves Mm. at genetic level. So here's the, here's the analogy for this category. If you put a whale, an orca whale into captivity, over time, the fin of the orca whale will start to fold over and bend. Right. So all the orcas in captivity right. have a folded fin. And that's not because the orca is sad. It's because the orca is not loading the fin. The orca is not swimming and fighting and doing the orca things and, sw- and doing what mm. it's doing and playing and hunting. And you've changed the environment of the orca. So the orca is spending a lot more time at the surface, not doing its other things. So it's exposed to higher gravitational loads and it's not being loaded. So the collagen, the connective tissue at the base of the fin ends up being weakened. And then we start to see folded fin syndrome. Well, that's the analogy for many of the human beings. We were told, you know, it's fine. Here's some pain pills. Here's a surgery. Mm. Eat the way you want. It doesn't matter how you sleep because you're still getting by because you're such an extraordinary animal. Right. And so what we find is suddenly that the first big problem is that people realize that they needed to have started 10 or 15 years ago. Wow. Like, oh my gosh, you know, suddenly I'm 40 and I'm so stiff, and I my back went out jumping and playing with my kids, and I can't have that happen. And well, I'm like, well, turns out you're really weak and your hips don't move like hips and your feet uh-huh. are stiff. And this isn't this isn't surprise us, but suddenly when we get hit with our mortality sometimes in musculoskeletal problems, it's a real issue. And the other thing is that. I got a little bit stronger, I went a little bit faster, so that must be good enough. And that really mm. is a tradition that came out of our sports science, sports measurement. If we could measure it and you did it a little bit better, then it must be good. So that's like saying, I made you some toast, but <laughs> I burned down the house, uh-huh. right? And so what <laughs> we haven't done is necessarily been clever enough until really the internet came around and YouTube, you know, 10 years mm. ago. 10 years ago when we started making videos, Ten years ago this September, the iPhone yeah. didn 't have a video <laughs> camera i mean it's only it's just it's just been a yeah, minute yeah. right and so one of the things that we hadn't been able to do is connect the dots between all of the movement practices why do the why is the shoulder in this position for swimming, and how does that make it if i 'm holding a laundry basket and what does that mean about chaturanga and yoga mm. and what does that mean about bench press? Those are all very similar ideas and so When we started connecting the dots, what we saw was, wow, people were working really hard, but they're very inefficient. And they're working around the problems instead of expressing the body the way the body could be expressed. And so, again, two categories, people working super hard, not very effective, potentially leads them to pain and dysfunction and dead ends. People who've never been loaded before realizing for the first time, holy moly.
1: Yeah. Wow. You know, um, the thing is uh, where I'm at right now in Jakarta, which is very contrast with Bali, uh, which by the way, I would like to invite you to, uh, yes, place we're in coming. Bali. by the way, um uh, Mel, maybe we could try to find out a detail la- later about how we can do one of the, uh, seminar, uh, the no problem. My family's in, we're, yeah. we're in, Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to do it I, I saw you did it at Mobulus. I know the owner of the, of the Mobulus Singapore. And I'm like, hey, we got we to do that too. Easy. Uh, but yeah, uh, in, in Bali, which is a, a little bit more, uh, you know, uh, people are moving a lot there. But in Jakarta, this is Jakarta is, is known as one of the, the craziest traffic city in the world, right? And for you just to get into two miles could take you an hour, literally in a car. So people's lifestyle here, they would spend about, say, uh, two hours on their, on their commute, even though it's not that far. If you live outside of five miles from your work, oh, good luck. It could take you about three hours. So now you're in a car sitting for right. that long. And then you're also in the AC. And people don't want to walk, by the way, because the pollution is really, really bad. Because all these cars are congested, right, or traffic. So they would rather just stay in the car. And then from there, they would go to their office and they would sit for about eight hours or so in the AC. And then after that, then they'll get out. Then they'll get inside the car again. And, you know, easily 14 hours of just sitting and then because of that they don't even want to uh they don't even want to break out of that pattern they don't even want to go out they don't want to go to the gym because they don't want to deal with traffic and it's just such a bad cycle i think right and i've seen a cycle and a
0: cycle that people it's not their fault this is what we said this is what we do right yes and that's what we want to we want people to appreciate is that Everyone comes out of a tradition, a movement history. And if no one ever says to you, by the way, this sedentary behavior, Harvard classifies sedentary behavior as sitting more than six hours a day. And so it doesn't matter how hard you exercise, you have a sedentary lifestyle. Mm. And when you suddenly are sedentary, you lose bone mass, you lose muscle mass, you don't burn fat very well. Testosterone is low. Tissues don't move well. Brain fog. I mean, choose something you care about, and it turns out we can sort of take this 30,000 foot approach and say, okay, I can't. I have to go in the car. Well, if that's the case, then what does my work setup look like? Can I Mm. can I change the environment so that I'm in a better environment? And what we've come to appreciate, for example through our book, you know, Deskbound and all the work we do with Google and Microsoft and, and, you know, uh, Slack and all the places where we teach. Um, you know, what we see is, man, the health of the workforce now is the responsibility of the company. Yeah. And we yeah. can serve people better food. We can shape the environment so they interact with other people and have more natural light. So that they're encouraged to move more. And we should do this, not just because it will keep people from being sick. We should do this because we can actually have more effective people, which is the whole host of why we train. People don't realize in fitness, you know, initially we're like, what do you want to do? the are like, I want to look good naked, great. Mm-hmm. You know, that that's a really low goal and not a very good <laughs> goal, right? You can't win fitness, but what you don't realize is that when your body feels good and you're strong, then you can play more, you can take more risk, you feel like you have more activity, your life gets better, you can eat more ice cream. I mean, like the things that matter to me, right? Mm -hmm. And so suddenly when we make the case for asking, what is it the human being should be able to do? How is the environment doing that or not? Then we can have a choice. And again, let me give you an example. We don't think sitting is bad and standing is good. We think moving is good and more moving is better. And so you always have a choice to move a little bit more. maybe I take the stairs. Maybe I walk for 10 minutes at lunch. Maybe I get home and instead of just putting my feet up, you know, I take my slippers off and then I walk around barefoot in the neighborhood and see see my friends. It's that simple. Or I go to the gym, right? The idea is to continue to think every single Mm. day how much movement can I get? So we know that your sleep is not something like, oh, I slept 10 hours on Saturday, I don't need to sleep again this week. That's not how it works. Every day we talk about your sleep quality, the sleep density, the sleep length. Well, I want us to appreciate the same thing as around movement. This is a game that resets every single day. And some days you have children and a busy job and a crushing schedule. You may not play very well, right? But, But you can play better tomorrow. And one of the ways we can play better is to is to stand at a working station is to take the stairs is to walk more is to control our sleep and again, when we work with companies that we did a company where we they were a call center so when someone called and made a sale they they could market and when they called and didn't make a sale they didn't they got a zero right so it was really easy to, to track productivity well it turns out if you can appreciate this, you'll never, ever have a fight with your wife or husband sitting down. You'll always stand up. No one, Mm. if you have to take a serious call, you'll stand up. Well, it turns Mm. out that as human beings, we know intuitively that our brains work a little bit better when we're moving and not sitting. And so one of the things that happens is that when they, this company moved to an environment which was encouraged more movements. You could lean against the stool, you could fidget, you could stand and move your desk. Their call success rate doubled, which meant like $6 million to this company in six months in additional sales. And the only thing they changed was the environment of their workplace, which is what we train for. There's always a reason. Like, I don't want, you know, just getting stronger doesn't help. Stronger so that what? Well, I was able to run faster or swim better or, Play my game, or fight, or whatever it is you you care about, and that's Mm. the way we should be thinking about these things—not as good or bad, but man, when I play better, I can experience more as a human and do more.
1: Mm. Thank you for that. By the way, um, I've checked out the website. You also have packages for companies. We're probably gonna try to put it out there um, for our audience. So if they wanna check it out, guys, uh, look—you know, this is something that you guys could brought up to your Um, employees, your company as well. And I would definitely recommend it. Uh, Dr. Kelly, have a packages that you could put it out there for the companies. You uh,
0: you can get on it ahead of time, or you can (laughs) pay for it when someone's back goes out when they get sick. Right? I mean, (laughs) the problem is we all are just sort of waiting around for something to go wrong before we change our behavior.
1: Yes, I agree.
0: And You know, imagine that audience, like I drive my car until the check engine light comes on or makes smoke. Like, that's not how we do that. You know, just, you go see the dentist, you take care of yourself, right? But we haven't ever said, for example, if I take a step back, everyone knows what the vital signs are. Heart rate, 60. Blood pressure, 120 over 80. Cholesterol, 180 to 200, right? Temperature, 97. Right, So we, we know all of these things yeah. are vital signs. But what we haven't told people is this is a movement vital sign. What do you mean you can't squat all the way to the ground with your feet on mm. the ground? And maybe in Indonesia that's easier. But what we're seeing is it's going to get harder and harder. Yes. What do you mean you can't put your arms over your head? What, what, is, what do you mean you can't stand on one leg? And so what we suddenly see is we haven't given people the cues that something is wrong or that they're missing the ability, right? Mm-hmm. imagine you're driving and all of a sudden one day your car doesn't turn to the left. You would know instantaneously, right? You're like, whoa, my car doesn't turn. Well, that's what is happening to your body is that you're losing, you're turning off lights in this big room and you don't realize how dark it is in there because you're still the human being. You're still the greatest animal on the planet. You know, the, the brain is the most complex structure in the known universe. We are incredible. And what we're finding is that it takes very little input to make the body work better. It takes very little input to get the body, you know, to be less inflamed. You have to eat a little bit less sugar and eat some more vegetables and meat, right? You need to walk around a little bit more and sleep a little bit more. And all of a sudden, boom, you feel great and you look good naked. Thank you
1: for that. How do you prevent burnout physically and emotionally when it comes to just getting into a training and getting into, uh, you know, the health, the fitness lifestyle per se. It's
0: a good question. You know, burnout is real and people are working really hard, but let me ask you this. If you showed up at the gym and had a terrible day, we would immediately know why, right? Mm, Because the day before was really hard or the day two days before was really hard. It doesn't matter what it is. At some point I'd be like, I can tell you, you suck today for a reason. Yeah. Well, let's treat the psychological stress and the way our brains work and process information as just the same way as physical output. So if you aren't sleeping, if you don't feel, if you don't play, if you don't rest and relax, if you don't know how to turn off, if you don't feel safe and connected to a community, right, if you don't eat food and move, I guarantee you it's a fast track to burnout. And so what I want people to appreciate is that these practices that we have, it's not so that we can go be in the gym and do better in the gym. It's so Mm. that we can be better at life and be better in my family and I can show up and be a better father and be a better worker and I can have more energy when I get home to actually be with my family after a long day of work. So what we know is that physical behavior is just a behavior. And it's no different than my cognitive behavior. It's just a, you can think of, you know, the movement behavior is just as a physical cognitive behavior. And one of the things that we know unequivocally is that the best practice around performance is the basics. You have to eat food, whole foods. You have to sleep. You really, if you're super stressed, you should stay away from sugar and you should stay away from alcohol. This is what we know is true. And what we find is that when people are very stressed, the first thing that goes is their sleep. The next thing that goes is their sleep. The next thing that goes is their movement. Then they start to self-soothe. They're looking for ways to make themselves feel better. They reach for alcohol. They Mm. reach for drugs. They reach for sleeping pills. And those aren't bad. Those are just ways that people are trying to make themselves feel better in this stress time. So when we start to realize that the more stressed you are, the more you have to protect your sleep the harder your training and the more important your physical output is, the more you have to protect your sleep. Mm. And so unfortunately, I wish I could sell sleeping more. I wish I could sell eating more food. I wish I could sell walking around more, but those Mm -hmm. things are free and cheap. I wish I could say if you had better relationships and hugged your family and talked about your feelings, you would do better in your job. And it's so easy, I think, to say, you know, is to look at the problems, the the realities and stresses on the human being as games that can be won. And if I say, put these over your head and you can't put two dumbbells over your head and you're struggling, then I'm like, hmm, I wonder what's wrong with your shoulders? Mm-hmm. Why can't you put your arms over your head? And that leads to the next conversation. So the problem was for a long time, we were like, get on the elliptical machine, go as hard as you can, do some bicep curls, Dude, you don't have to be controlled or skilled or learn how to do anything to do that, right? It's dumb work. It's what we call high physiology, low skill. But what we've realized in the last 10 years is that we can add so much skill and coordination training and balance. And that allows us to understand what's happening in the body. Mm. So, you know, what we want people to know is, hey... Hey, I, I was really stiff after last, yesterday's workout. Great. Let's talk about how to feel less stiff. And then we can continue to have the conversations. There's no idea. I mean, all you have to do is have a baby, jump on an airplane, fly across the country, work 12 hours straight, and then we'll measure your hamstrings and see how ready you are. And what you'll see is that you are a terrible, terrible human being in that moment. So right. because it's a, it's a real dynamic system. And that it's constantly changing. So that means we don't have to get it right. We just have to get it better.
1: Okay. Um, Do you think that there's going to be a movement or an increase in demand of um, recovery and, um, you know, taking care of yourself uh, from that aspect? just how it, you know, how fitness have blown up in the, in the last uh, 10 years per se. Do you think that same kind of uh, demand where you would see more facility for physical therapy and so on?
0: I think we're seeing a greater mismatch between our traditional experiences, human bodies, right? Human animals mm. and how we're living today in these little tiny ranges of motion not moving very much, very Orca-like. And then I would say, you know, we have that mismatch. And then the fact is suddenly people are training very hard for maybe the first time in their life. We actually have access. The people that train with you don't realize it, but their training is as sophisticated as the Olympic training. Like mm-hmm. no one is getting more sophisticated training anywhere else than they are than at Empire Fit Club. And so I don't think people realize that suddenly we're exposing people to really complex and sophisticated strength and conditioning, which means that you can't just show up and work really hard and become really strong without putting some input in. Yes, I I suspect that if you, you know, when I went to high school, there was in four years, there was one torn ACL, one ACL knee injury in four years. And now The, you know, women are tearing their ACLs at six to eight times the rate of men. The rate of ACL injury in children under 14 is up 400%. And all of a sudden we have to look around and say, why is everyone getting injured? What's going on here? And we suspect it's because we're playing less, riding our bikes less, moving less as children. And those children now, if we look at the children in our lives who are on the iPad and on the YouTube and playing and TikTok and and maybe eating crappy food because it's so cheap and easy to get and so delicious, right? And that they're sleeping not very much. What we have is the body that's going to require a little bit more input. You know, what we ultimately realize is that look, if we look at our traditions, like we were just in Thailand for Christmas, right? Mm. And Thai massage is everywhere.
1: Yeah, yeah. And it
0: is, and it's normal to have a sixty-year-old grandma crush you she walks up <laughs> and down your legs and like because they've been working with fighters and you know their whole lives and they're and so if someone's like what we forget is that these traditions of body care exist for a reason human touch is important mm. it's it's inexpensive and you can have a relationship with someone who knows your body and stretches out your hamstrings and makes you feel better and helps you relax and what we've realized is that we've pulled a lot of those things out. We're not eating food. We don't sit down. We Mm. don't break bread. We don't cook together. We don't take care of our bodies. And all of a sudden, something starts to hurt. We don't know what to do about it because no one ever told us. We actually can make ourselves feel better besides with ibuprofen and alcohol, right? right? That we have these old traditions that have been around for a long time, and they should inform the ways that we can feel better as human beings so that we can work better more often.
1: You know, it's interesting that you mentioned that. I mean, here in Indonesia, those traditional massages, I mean, at least in every corner of the villages would have those, like the, the, I wouldn't say the shaman, but the, you know, the medicine person and, you know, the massage. So so they call it uh, tukang urut, which is, you know, every, uh, the funny thing is when I mentioned physiotherapists to a lot of uh, indonesian some of them don't know what that is but when i compare it to tukang urut they're like oh that's what they do you know so it was quite similar but obviously the way they've they've learned is through a traditional traditional way of learning it's it's quite interesting actually because you know i remember i um i did something to my i pulled my hamstring and then at a time it was so hard for me to find a physiotherapist where i'm at And then they they keep telling me to check out this guy. And then I went there and amazingly, you know, he was able to relieve the pain. And I was like, wow, you know, it's it's crazy the way that kind of like a traditional medicine, this thing have been around for quite some times, right? Because I came from that uh, Western side of way of doing things. So, yeah, it's something um, kind of eye-opening for me here. And if
0: if you have something that hurts, your friend should say, show me. And he grabs your hand, and they rub, and they put some lotion on, and they move, and they get blood flow, and they desensitize that painful tissue. But we don't know. We're like, ooh, I don't know. Maybe you should see a doctor. You know, I'm like, what? This is crazy. So one of the things we're trying to do is shift this burden of pain. Pain does not mean tissue injury. Pain is information about your body. That's it just like swelling or hey I could I was very slow in my run today that is the same level of information as pain pain is just saying hey it's at the top of the the order you need to pay attention to this and when we begin to treat pain as information and not pain as I'm injured because something hurts then suddenly what we realize is man we can really get quickly hey I I sat all day on the train. Now my back's a little sore. Boom. I know what to do about that. Mm -hmm. I can either go see this person who could put her her hands on me or his hands on me, or I can do that to myself and try to make, make it myself feel better. And that's really where we think we have a big opportunity to make people feel a lot better. You know, the, it just doesn't take that much to have a really incredible body that lasts a hundred years. It's just, you know, I mean, I'm not talking about deadlifting 200 kilos or 300 kilos. I'm talking about, you know, being able to do what we're supposed to be able to do. And and if you grew up in an environment where you were climbing trees and swimming and walking on the beach and carrying things, it takes very little input for that. But if you grew up in the city where you're walking and you go to school and you sit all the time and you're not moving your body and doing all the things a body could do, it's going to take a little bit more creative input. And what we're seeing is that starting to catch up with our children a little bit, right? Mm. And what we need to be clever enough is to say, is man, did we ever figure this out before? And suddenly, when you go and you look at the Chinese medicine traditions or the Indian medicine traditions, mm. and you're looking at gua sha and the body work, and, and you're like, wow, you know, it seems like people have been doing this for a long time. So, what is it that's working? What's essential? What is it that can be done by the person? You know, because yeah. if you ask your grandma, she probably has a solution for everything, right? Right. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, that's what we want to get to. We want to get back to being able to take care of this machine, which is so beautiful and so easily adaptable. I mean, I think the problem with humans mm. is that we're so adaptable that we can adapt to really like bad, toxic environments that aren't great for us. We don't mm. sleep. We eat a bunch of sugar. We're always drinking caffeine. We don't. You know we at the evening it's whiskey and we're trying to hit the brakes to make ourselves feel better. And then the either side of that is really a problem. That's not really sustainable. And what's great about fitness is that in the way you and I are talking about fitness. I mean, if you go to the empire fit club, the website, we're training outside. You see big groups of people belonging to each other, creating friendships. You're basically, it's a skill. It's a modern martial art without fighting. And and what ends up happening is that people leave and they feel really they much better. And then in that modern fitness, we have a reason to talk about these other things, right? Because they're part of being able to do more pull-ups or right. swing more kettlebells or run a little fast. So it gives us a framework to have the hard conversation.
1: Wow. Have you ever like, learned something from a traditional medicine that you came across through your study or through your experience? Oh, you- yeah. Oh yeah. yeah? Can you share with us one of them?
0: You know, one of the things that I think, um, you know, my dad is a doctor, my mom's a psychologist, right? That's the training. But, you know, one time I was in Korea and in physical therapy, we have this thing called IASTM instrumented assisted soft tissue mobilization. And it was really, promoted by this company that made these tools called Graston and it was a very technical drill to scrape at a certain level to use these tools to restore Mm -hmm. how your body is sliding and they're very technical so there I am in Korea and I'm walking in a very traditional part of Seoul and there's a woman with a pile of bones and horns on the table that's what they are horns and bones And I Mm. walk up to Juliet with me and I'm like, you know what these are? These are gua sha tools. And I grab it and I start scraping my arm. And this 80 year old Korean woman is lights up and she's like,
1: this white guy
0: knows what these are. (laughs) And, And what it tells me a lot, for example, is when we look to traditions that have been around a long time and that are so safe and that are ubiquitous, that are normal, that mm. everyone can do it and everyone has access to it. It means that for me, we need to shift it away from medicine into the domain of the coach, the family, the family member. Those are the places where we want to start. So if your child says, hey, my heel hurts running, you're like, no problem, lay down, baby. And you do a little scraping on her Achilles and on her calf mm. and boom, doesn't hurt anymore. You're like, great, that was it. Mama is a shaman, right? Yeah. And You know, every time I've seen a massage therapist or had acupuncture, you know, I really try to understand what problem is being solved. Oh, this is a congestion problem. Oh, this makes sense, right? As soon as you go in to get some traditional body work like Thai massage, you appreciate how sophisticated the tissue's loading is, the mobilization, the positions. Like, I really am such a fan of this because... People were paying attention to what the body needed for many, many hundreds of years. They've been able to pass that down. And I think if we don't look at our traditions, you know, why is it that every tradition on earth cooks meat on the bone, right? Eats the organs, eats the skin, eats the scales, right? What is it about that? Why do we see that, you know, The traditions, uh, you know, are that people always used to eat different kinds of vegetables and different kinds of fruits, not three, right? That uh, what we start to see suddenly is there's a lot of experience into the way that we got to here, and in the last hundred years, a lot of things have changed. We've lost our minds in the last fifty years. You know, low fat. I mean, what we're telling people is is some crazy, crazy things. I had a great Mm. grandma come to our she was a uh, great grandma. She was like in her nineties and she was going to cook these things called kolaches from you know, like the old world. Like she was from Scandinavia basically. And she was like, where's the lard? I need to cook with lard. And we're like, lard, we don't use lard. Lard is mm, like yeah. animal fat. Like you <laughs> yeah. use animal fat. That's crazy. But she refused to cook with anything other than lard. So we had to go out and buy this animal fat. And it made the most delicious pastry. It made the most delicious you know, crust cake ever. Right. And what we realize now is she knew that these oils weren't the same thing and that we're designed to eat these animals. And we're designed not to have processed foods. And, you know, I think, I think it's those, when we can look at those traditions, not that we need to honor and always worship and can't evolve,
1: mm. but we
0: can certainly synthesize what is best practice out of our eating, our movement, our fighting, our play traditions.
1: Um, what, how, uh, okay, so I have a question from our, our audience. Um, we took some questions before we start this podcast, and one of them are, what is the importance of anti-rotation training for a rotational athletes?
0: So this is one of those ideas that um, is sound like mobility over stability, anti-rotation mm. rotation training. So the real issue is, what we like to think is, here's a position. Can you maintain this position under load, oh speed? cardiorespiratory demand more than one rep when we compete right when you have to so ultimately what we're looking at is why can't you maintain that position so for some idea of saying hey i'm going to train resisting rotation well every time i put a heavy dumbbell up over my head i'm resisting rotation every time i do a one-arm snatch or kettlebell there's there's anti-rotation going on Learning to throw and to move your and apply force to objects is anti-rotation training. Jump roping and swinging the rope the other direction is anti-rotation training, right? Learning to cut and change direction, anti-rotation training. So I guess the real important thing is it's easy in fitness, particularly where we see um, people do a lot of very, very specific work that's not very intense. That's, they call it corrective or it's functional, Mm. but the problem is it doesn't, there's no way to test if we're getting better. Right.
1: Mm. So,
0: so for my general population fitness, how much anti-rotation Well, we swing kettlebells and snatch dumbbells, right? There's a ton of things that we do where we have to fight this rotation on the body. Um, You know, running is an anti-rotation exercise. So, You know, for us, you know, the, it's easy to get, go down the rabbit hole of I'm doing this very specific drills without understanding if they made something better, right? So that language sometimes of rotation, anti-rotation is I'm like, well, what's your test? Like, how do you, how are you measuring this? Did someone swing the bat faster? Okay. Did they throw the cricket ball faster? Okay. Right. These are, these are things that I can wrap my heads around. Then we can say how much you know, and, and how often, then we can have that next conversation, but we should look at training as reinforcing and challenging position with physiology and not getting caught in the weeds. So, you know, do I do pal-off presses? I don't, I'm not, I don't think so, you know, Mm -hmm. but we do plenty of rotation work. You know, if I'm hanging on the bar and I touch my foot to one arm and touch my foot to the other arm, is that anti-rotation training? You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Good question. And it's easy to lose your mind on when am I going to get all of this done? And suddenly I have people who aren't very strong. They're not very fit. They're not very adaptable. And so I think, you know, the magic of the high intensity exercise training, the functional training where we're using kettlebells and barbells and balls is that we got plenty of coordination training. And then we didn't try to replicate every demand of the sport in the gym you should go out and play a sport. Yeah. You know?
1: You get those, yeah.
0: I mean, I was just looking at some Indonesian like my friends were playing with some knife fighting, like uh-huh. swinging the stick, and I was like, go swing the stick for an hour and tell me about rotation training. You know what I mean? Right, right, like right. but if you but if you're just like this all the time, you probably need to figure out how to resist and play and throw and be a human.
1: Um what exercise to improve hip hip internal rotation um yeah. what exercise to improve hip internal rotation in our world you know
0: we see uh and we've talked about this on the site a lot even so if you go to our site the ready state we have a on-ramp program two weeks of, of free use but you can see a lot of how i think in our instagram and on our youtube So follow the Ready State on Instagram and YouTube, and you can see how I apply these principles to movements and thinking. And we do something called the hip hip capsule mode, hip capsule mobilization. And that's chiefly how we manage this internal rotation. So the key is, you know, what we see is that if you're always turning your feet out to squat, you're never demanding that you have internal rotation of your hip. And so if if you're always going around the problem, you'll never have it but sitting side saddle, you know, this 90-90 position, mm. i don't think that necessarily restores your rotation but it maintains your rotation. So for example, i'm sitting here as i'm talking to you i have been sitting cross-legged <laughs> on this chair for this whole time. Mm. And you know, a lot of times if we were engaged in more ground sitting and in play, we wouldn't have to go chase internal rotation. Right. You know, missing internal rotation in your hip is like missing elbow flexion. If all of a sudden my elbow stopped at 90 degrees, you would say, what's wrong with your elbow? And I'm like, nothing. What's wrong with your internal rotation? Why did you go away? Well, you're not using it. Of course it went away, right?
1: Where do you see the fitness industry going?
0: Well, maybe Mm -hmm. with this COVID in place and the shelter in place, we have a chance to reset. I think we were losing our mind a little bit. If you went into Instagram and on social media, really hard to see. It was all about looking good with your shirt off and not drinking, you know, and and not eating gluten and not eating carbs. And what I hope we can do is take these lessons of Formula One and apply them backwards to our communities. Because if it's just about being, you know, 18 to 26 and having this moment where you look great on Instagram, that's not serving everyone very well. And it's not teaching what we need to teach for our yeah. children, for our police, for our military, um, for our grandparents. And I really think that for me, you know, there was a big push in physical therapy to promote something called the biopsychosocial model, which is this notion that you're a complex psychological person that exists within this society. And all of that is as important as the meat that makes up your body, right, because yeah. you know it, it matters do you feel safe? Are you sleeping? Do you feel loved? Is there stressed? Are you food insecure? All of that matters, but all of that has always mattered when it came to human performance, so if you were going to compete or rock or do something incredible or swim or bike or run, you had to feel safe and you had to practice and you had to sleep and you had to be in a training group so for me a lot of the things that are ailing modern humans we know because we've been in a training environment for years and all we need to do is transfer that information over so the hopeful my hope is that we can really transform society through training and that should be our higher goal to bring everyone with us
1: agree i agree on that where where do you see um the ready state going what's what's next basically for the ready oh state?
0: gonna be on the beach in bali No problem. <laughs> working on my surfing eating the nazi goreng yes um,
1: yes yes yes
0: um you know i think the uh you know we are really excited i think one of our next big projects is what's it mean to be 40 and 50 years old you know, we've mm. taken this information and we need to capture this aging. Of, I'm 47 years old and suddenly I'm looking around and the people who are 40 and 50 don't look very good. Mm. You know, we've been able to sort of skate on our genes until all of a sudden we're fat and out of shape. And we don't feel good and we go with pain. Right, right. And, um, you know, we are, we have created and we have a, currently we have an app, but our new app, we have an incredible movement assessment. And we're continuing to try to help people understand and create movement baselines for themselves, Mm. right? So that everyone can take a crack at making themselves feel better. You you should only need a trainer because you've run out of things to do at home. You know, like Mm. the shelter in place has taught us that many of us did not do a very good job preparing people to live without us. So if you need a coach, you have to have a coach to tell you what to do, where to put your foot and what to eat. You're not a very good listener you're not a very good student and they're not a very good teacher so you know there's a lot we can do around i think solving some of these conditions of being a human and that's what we're trying to do with the ready state is see if we can't take what we've learned in high performance and in functional training and translate those those skills a little bit more so we need to apply this to our children more effectively we need to apply it to our our population health and
1: Mm. i've really
0: gotten interested in public health i think that these are public health issues
1: wow big big things coming then big things coming.
0: we're never stopping my wife is a savage and uh you know there's there's we see just there's no end of work really that's really the, the bottom line we're just now it feels like we just understand enough where we can begin to help solve some of these issues you know, childhood obesity, mm. um, you know, the diabetic, you know, revolution that's happening in, in America right now. You know, when you and I went to high school in the United States, the chances of being diabetic was one in 4,000. Now it's one weird. in four. It's, wow. Now it's one in four. And if you're a black woman, it's two out of three. And if you're a Latino male, it's two out of three, it's a 66% chance that you're going to be diabetic. And if you think climate change is a problem, Just wait until we see this health epidemic start to roll up onto our, our, it's really a problem. People, we have failed a generation of people and they don't know what to do because we've been giving them McDonald's and we've been giving them sugar and gigantic sodas and playing them with TV and video games. And man, we've taken away, we don't have a community. People aren't in church or they're not in a group or they are not on a team, right? They don't have a tribe. What did we expect? We made this, we own it. So that's where I think we have to, we really have an opportunity to to transform society.
1: Wow. That's great to hear. Um, and
0: well, oh, smash, smash some PRs. We can smash some PRs too.
1: <laughs> Can't forget about that. Uh, look, Dr. Kelly, thank you so much for uh, spending your hour with us, taking the time to talk to us. We're definitely very, very excited to uh, hopefully see you here in Bali, uh, in Indonesia, and perhaps have one of your seminar, uh, here. I'm, 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 I'm sure that a lot of people in Bali would like that. And I mean, and our
0: friends from Australia will come over too, because they, oh, uh, you know, we get, we can, that's right. That West coast has been begging us. And they're like, don't come to the West coast, go to Bali. We'll meet there. So I think, I think the time is now and especially, you know, My friends, everyone who travels to Indonesia talks about the people being the most amazing people that they run into. So it's time to expose our family to the people of Indonesia.
1: Yeah, they're very welcoming here. Um, And then Bali itself is such a great kind of like meetup location. Everything is quite affordable and you got all kind of, uh, you know, different thoughts, different ideas and... It become, um as you, well, I don't know if you know, but Ubud is like the mecca of yoga here in, uh, I, w- I would even say in the world. But now you got a lot of different methods of healing. They got sound healing. They got that, uh, this place called Pyramid of Chi and all kind of, a, you know, all kind of self taking care of oneself, right? So uh, I think it'll definitely be a, a good addition if we could have you, here in Bali, I think a lot we, of people. We may
0: never leave. You may have a hard <laughs> time. We're coming. We're coming. I'm bringing all the girls. Well, we can't wait. And thank you so much for this. You know, and really, um, you know, I just, my I guess the last thing is I don't think people realize how good they can feel and how extraordinary they can move in the world. We just, we've taken that, those two things away from people. That's a shame.
1: Mm. That's a crime. Mm. Well, here we are. Hopefully, we can do something about that, all right? fantastic all right then uh i think that's it for our talk guys listen if you uh, we're gonna leave the um uh info about dr Kelly to his website and all of his program and also his book uh in the link so if you guys have any more questions you can feel free to message us or go straight to uh dr kelly's instagram which is the ready state and go check out his website. Uh, this is, I've, I've learned so much from this one hour talk. And like always, it's always, always, always uh, uh, good for me to, to learn all these new things. And Dr. Kelly, again, I appreciate um, your time with us. And we definitely can't wait to see you out here. Soon. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Take care. I'll see, you, I'll see you next time. Bye-bye. All right, guys. So that's uh, wrapping up our talk with Dr. Kelly Starrett. Definitely uh, learned so much for, from this one hour of talking to him. Uh, definitely can't wait to start applying some of these principles to our members. And hopefully that you guys get the same amount of values from this talk. So um, stay tuned for our next guest. And if you guys have any suggestions, feel free to message or let us know. Other than that, uh, please don't forget to subscribe, and I'll see you guys on our next podcast episode.